My name is Minu Kim, associate pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is my joy to worship with you this morning. Today's scripture message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Last Sunday, uh, we reflected on the topic of baptism, remembering Jesus' baptism and also our own. Baptism marks the beginning of our discipleship journey, signifying our commitment to follow Christ. So Christians, in essence, are people on the move, being on a journey, following Jesus, mirroring his mind and his walk. In our Wesleyan Methodist tradition, we embrace the concept that by God's sanctifying grace, we move on to perfection. And by perfection, we don't mean flawlessness or sinlessness. We're talking about maturity. Are we growing daily in our love of God and neighbors, aligning our hearts with God's will? Consider the analogy of a runner. The goal is not to become flawless, but to be experienced and mature, handling challenges with seasoned grace. Similarly, Christians, Christian perfection, which we believe is attainable in our lifetime, involves a heart fully aligned with God's will, marked by our profound love of God and neighbors. Our journey is propelled by this hope of perfection, aspiring to become mature followers whose love of God and followers is unwavering in the face of challenges. It is a journey only made possible by the love of God, demonstrated through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And this love guides us and inspires us to persistently strive to move onto perfection. 
On a side note, this concept of Christian perfection is much debatable. Even when we think about mature Christians, we wonder even if that's possible in our lifetime. But it is distinct theology of our Wesleyan tradition. And this present hope of Christian, Christian perfection is why we continue to walk, continue to strive. This is why our church is known for our generosity. This is why our denomination is known for agencies. Like today, the, the director of the director of economic health and gender justice from the general board of church and society is coming to us to speak more about these issues. I love this small anecdote from the poet Maya Angelou, although I don't know if whether she's a Methodist or not, when she talks about the ongoing process of discipleship journey. In her interview from 2010, she said, I'm always amazed when people walk up to me and say, I'm a Christian. I think, already? You already got it? I'm working at it, which means that I try to be kind and fair and generous and respectful and courteous to every human being, seeing myself as him or her, not as his or her keeper. And in light of her wisdom, I think it is also fair to say we Christians are people who are trying, who are keep trying. Then what is the biggest obstacle for those who are trying to walk this journey? Perhaps it is the difficulty of listening to the voice of God. What leads us and sustains us in our journey of discipleship is the divine voice calling us, follow me. We often hear about this topic of calling in the context of vocational ministry, almost exclusively from us pastors talking about our call stories. But the truth is that all of us, all baptized Christians are called. And this calling is much more than just the telling of one's profession or unlocking one's potential. Calling is rather a verb, a process, one that is constantly in action. Calling is how we faithfully keep moving forward in our love of God and neighbors. Calling is the divine grace that enables us, enables our walk towards Christian perfection. If God is with us in our journey, then I believe God is certainly calling us in every step of our way, encouraging us and empowering us, convicting us and forgiving us, consoling us and comforting us, restoring us and healing us, and guiding us and sending us. And our responsibility is to continue to listen discern, and respond to God's calling, thus finding the direction in our days and in our life. 
This continuous call and response is how we are made perfect in love. But again, the question is, how often do we hear the voice of God? Do we know how God is calling us in this very season of our lives? Our staff had a devotion on this very topic this last week during our meeting, staff meeting, and one shared their observation on how the room always goes silent whenever the topic of calling arises. And I feel the same. Sure, I can readily talk about my call stories of the past, but if you ask me how God is calling me right now for this very moment, I need to take some time to think about it. We live in a such we live in such a deafening world that prevents our ability to listen to God's calling. And it is not simply that Jesus no longer speaks to us directly in the flesh as he did in today's scripture lesson. Yes, as the apostle Paul wrote, the risen Christ now dwells in our hearts through faith, yet we have a hard time even listening to ourselves, especially in silence. It almost seems like silence is not welcomed in our world. In a world where multitasking has become the norm, to sit in the quietude is almost seen as a waste of time. Something has to always be played in the background and more the merrier, more the more productive. What comforts us is the sound of noises. Not only are we uncomfortable with the sound of noises, not only are we uncomfortable with silence, but we are also skeptical of sounds that are foreign to us. What comforts us is not just any sound, but the sound of familiar noises. We play the same tunes. We play the same channels. We communicate with the people with the same wavelength. These familiar prevailing noises telling us what to do, how to feel, or whom we should become give us comfort. This is why I believe whenever we have time to kill, we scroll down our smart devices. These gadgets are essentially an echo chamber serving as our comfort zone, shielding us from unfamiliar sounds and unwelcoming noises. This is why so many people use smartphones in bed while trying to fall asleep. They are our safe haven. This is all to say We live in a world where listening becomes harder, which only makes our faith journey more difficult. The point of our journey of following Christ is for us to leave our comfort zone and follow the Spirit's lead, just like the story of the wise men. Yet we seem to only be interested in staying within our comfort zone with the sound of familiar noises working as soundproof panels. Why is this the case? Perhaps it is because we are afraid of being vulnerable 
to our true thoughts, emotions, or needs to others? And why do we have these fears in the first place? Isn't it because deep down we are afraid of what the silence will expose about ourselves? After all, we all have the desire, the yearning to be fully known, to be completely understood, and to be truly loved as who we are. Aren't we all longing for genuine understanding and love? But yet, as we grow older and older, we learn that this desire is seldom met or satisfied. So in order to protect ourselves from further disappointments, rejection, criticism, and abandonment, we put our guard up in the form of the sound of noises. In today's scripture lesson, Nathaniel, much like us, resided comfortably in, his, in the prevailing, prevailing beliefs of his day, skeptical that anything significant could emerge from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth is akin to saying, I'm not listening. His preconceived notions and prejudices prevented him from listening. Surely an apple doesn't fall far from the tree, he thought. Why would the long-expected, triumphant Messiah hail from a small, irrelevant town like Nazareth? Listening to him would surely be a waste of time. But Philip invited Nathaniel, saying, come and see. Based on how Jesus invited the two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and as well as their hometown friend, Philip, as his first disciples, we can assume that Philip and Nathaniel also knew each other very well. They were close friends. And it is often those who are closest to us who can pull us out of our comfort zone. Nathaniel still approached Jesus with much skepticism, yet Jesus greeted him by saying, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know you. I truly know you as who you are which prompt Nathaniel's response, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Further implying how Jesus knew him in a deep, profound way, which, met, which made Nathaniel feel like he was completely seen and thoroughly understood. With his desire met and his heart filled, Nathaniel finally recognized him as who he truly was, saying, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus continued, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. Being known is just the beginning. Follow me, and I will show you 
the unfathomable love of God, which will be witnessed and exemplified through my cross. This is how we often begin and end our discipleship journey, from being fully known to being made perfect in love. How does St. Paul begin his journey? Isn't it by Jesus letting him know how thoroughly he knows him, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what is the very first thing that happened to Paul after this? His sight was taken away, so Paul had to learn how to listen. He had to learn how to follow from his listening. And throughout his journey thereafter, once a persecutor of Christ became an apostle of love, a profound love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This journey out of our comfort zone is what Jesus invites us to walk by following him. And this journey requires our constant listening to the voice of God to listen to the one who dwells within us. From theologians like St. Ignatius to Frederick Buckner, we are taught and given the wisdom of listening by locating God's call through our deepest feelings and yearnings, in the intersection between our deepest moments of consolation and desolation, or in other words, between our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger. If we, locate, if we can locate this sweet spot between what our greatest joy is and what we believe as a pressing need of the world, chances are we will begin to understand God's calling for our unique journey. I believe this is also in a similar vein to what Howard Thurman described as the sound of the genuine. He once said to a group of graduates in Spelman College, saying, there is in every person that which waits, 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 and listens for the sound of the genuine in himself. There is that in every person that waits and waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in other people. And when these two sounds come together, this is music God heard when he said, let us make man in our image. When we listen to the sound of the genuine in ourselves at the intersection between what gives us life and what breaks our hearts, and as we listen to the sound of the genuine in our neighbors at the intersection between what gives them life and what breaks their hearts, and when these sounds come together, perhaps that's how God is calling us to walk our journey towards Christian perfection. The greater things which, which Jesus promises us to see, the unfathomable love for us and the world. So let me close with these two questions. 
what gives you life? And what breaks your heart? What gives you life? And what breaks your heart? By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, may we be able to listen to God's calling for us as we wrestle with these questions. May we be able to listen to the sound of the genuine, not only in ourselves, but also in our neighbors. May we be able to listen to the one who knows us completely and who leads us to perfect love. And may we keep trying and trying some more. Amen.